Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are going to preview the 2023-2024 San Francisco 49er season. I'm sure you saw my weird face at the beginning of the show because my mic was muted and my face looked awkward. But (laughs) despite that, thank you for joining us on YouTube, Facebook Live for the first time, and on Twitter today. Again, as we preview this upcoming season for the San Francisco 49ers, going to ask the big questions of what constitutes, what would make this season a success for the red and gold? What do you want to see from Brock Purdy? And is it Super Bowl or bust for the San Francisco 49ers this year? If you haven't yet, uh, please like and subscribe to the YouTube. And if you're listening on the audio version, please do the same as well. You can always take back your like at the end of the video, and it still helps the show and the podcast just as much. So let me ask you this. What do you consider a success this season? Would it simply be you have to win the Super Bowl, and if you don't, it is an unmitigated failure from this Niners roster and the coaching staff? Is that where you stand? Uh, from a certain point of, of view, I certainly get that because this team has been to three of the last four NFC championships. They have been in a Super Bowl and should have won. They've been in another NFC championship and should have won that game as well to get to the Super Bowl. So there is high expectations on this team. They are one of what, maybe two or three NFC teams favored to go back to the Super Bowl in February. So again, do you consider this year's Super Bowl or bus, excuse me, for the San Francisco 49ers? Uh, I would certainly agree with that statement, but I want to take it a step further and say that this is the most important year in the Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch era in San Francisco. Uh, you just traded away your supposed franchise quarterback, the player you traded up three first-round draft picks and a third-round pick to get, traded that player away to your hated rival in the Dallas Cowboys. You're now relying on a Mr. Irrelevant to win it all, coming off a massive injury, and your best player is still holding out and is yet to sign a massive contract extension, which seems to be because you do not want to come to his asking price, which, okay, you can go back and forth on that, but... There's an issue there, and I haven't even mentioned the fact that you lost your defensive coordinator, who was, if not the, one of the best defensive minds in the NFL, and you brought in a new defensive coordinator who is a good defensive coordinator, but certainly a step down from Demeco Ryans in Steve Wilkes. Your core is getting older. Trent Williams is 35, Kyle Juszczyk, 32, George Kittle, Eric Armstead, both 29 years old, and Christian McCaffrey coming off what his first healthy season since 2019, he's 27 years old and you've already stated that you'd like to play him a little bit less than you did last year. Okay, shall we keep going? Brandon Ayuk, your leading target getter this past season, he's likely out the door come this year's end, and John Lynch has been rumored to leave for TV the past two seasons. Again, you've been on the doorstep three of the past four years. You were an inch away from opening that door to the sixth Lombardi Trophy in San Francisco 49ers history in 2019. You are sitting here 
on September 5th at 10.44, 10.45 in the morning, coming off a tumultuous offseason that hasn't yet ended, knowing Nick Bosa might not be there come week one, and knowing, again, your core is getting older, your franchise players are going to need big contracts, are going to have to leave in free agency in a year or so. The window to win, depending on Brock Purdy, who, again, the last pick in the draft, coming off a massive injury, there is so much riding on this year for the San Francisco 49ers that while the fans certainly feel it, they get it, I still think it's somewhat being understated as to how important this year is for San Francisco. We are going to see a massive overhaul in the roster come you know, a year or two down the road, which many teams go through that, but knowing you have this core in this year and what you've been on the doorstep of doing the past three or four seasons, you have to win this year. But I want to take that, again, even further. We all know it's Super Bowl or bust here in San Francisco. Uh, I don't think many fans would say, I will settle for an NFC Championship again this season. They won't do that. Even if you get to the big game in February, is that enough? I don't think it is. I don't think you think it is well, and you can certainly tell me in the comments uh, whether on social media or uh, on YouTube, what would make this season a success? The pressure is at an all-time high. After a tumultuous offseason of quarterback talk, really for the past two or three years, and your best player not on the team currently, uh, this is... It's imperative. San Francisco gets off to a hot start and puts all of the garbage and crap and hoopla and whatever you want to call it behind them and wins a championship this year. You cannot have this core and waste it. You can't have the core with the Harbaugh era and waste it. Not many times can a team recover from wasting a core of championships. And if you can do that, if you don't win it all with this core... It certainly pays to have a franchise quarterback to help bridge that gap to get you to the next core later on in their career. Does San Francisco have that player? We don't know. We certainly do not know, and I want to dive into what I'm confident in coming into this year. I am certainly confident in the offensive weapons on this team. Christian McCaffrey being a dark horse MVP candidate, Debo Samuel looking like his 2021 self again, Brandon Ayuk coming off a 1,000-yard receiving season and leading this team in targets, and of course, George Kittle uh, being the second-best tight end in football and the best run-blocking tight end in, in the NFL. Uh, there are so many things to point to and say, this is the best offense in football, led by Kyle Shanahan. This is certainly the most explosive, experienced, and well-rounded offensive-minded team in the NFL. Uh... I don't think you can point to a defense and say they stack up well against San Francisco coming into the year. Um, this team can beat you on so many different fronts, whether it's running, whether it's passing, whether it's screens and stuns, and whatever you want to put on the table and say they can't do this, I certainly say they can. Um, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel are two of the most dynamic offensive weapons in the NFL. Like Chris McCaffrey is a bona fide slot receiver playing running back. He's, if not the most explosive, probably the second most explosive player in the NFL, and you can argue the first one's Debo Samuel. 
They have so many players that can put this team on their back any given Sunday that any defense you know, trying to game plan for them is going to be so overwhelmed that it's going to be hard for me to put them in a category not by themselves. This team is so good, so talented, so stacked, and hence why there is championship aspirations here and arguably championship or bust aspirations here in San Francisco. The other one, the defense. The defensive starting 11 is, if not the best, one of the best as well. This team is stacked on both sides of the football. Um, Nick Bosa, I know, obviously hasn't signed yet. I'm wearing his jersey currently in hopes he does sign, <laughs> um, giving us some good luck, hopefully, uh, in the next day or so before the game against Pittsburgh Week 1. But Nick Bosa, you have Eric Armstead, one of the best. Um, Eric Armstead fits this team perfectly. What they want to do with stunts and in the running game. Like, Eric Armstead is a star on this team, and... I get fans want to point to you. Well, you could have had DeForest Buckner. Eric Armstead fits this team, I think, the best. Uh, or he fits this team better than he would anywhere else in football. You have Drake Jackson, Cleland Farrell on the opposite side of Nick Bosa. Uh, two guys you're banking on playing well this year. I think Drake Jackson makes a lot more sense in the high upside he has, being a former second-round pick, very bendy in how he plays. You have two of the best linebackers, if not the best linebacking core, I think I could say pretty easily here, they are the best linebacking duo in football with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Uh, both of them top five in coverage. Both of them amazing in run blocking, or run defense, excuse me. Then you have Nick Bosa, the reigning defensive player of the year, with 19 and a half sacks last year, 18 and a half sacks last year. And that's not even including an all-pro safety in Talanoa Hufanga. Uh, Traverius Mooney-Ward, uh, being one of the better corners and showing to be a number one corner in football last year. And you have guys who have higher upside behind them in, in, in Lenore. And even Jair Brown, who I know those guys are young, but Lenore played phenomenal down the stretch last year. And if he can improve his game or carry that over into this year, we could be seeing, you know, one of the top, you know, cornerback duos, at least in the NFC, in my opinion. Um, and then you have Jair Brown, behind Tashawn Gibson, who high upside, but the expectation is he can be a playmaking, ball-hawking safety next to Hufunga. Like, this team is so loaded on their front or top 11 players on both sides of the football. Their starters are the best in the league at almost every single position. Um, and then one other thing is that going back to the offense is one thing I am extremely confident in is the Brock Purdy to George Kittle connection. Their chemistry is one of the best. Like, I would not be surprised if this year we see George Kittle eclipse 1,000 yards again, or at least get close to what he was in 2018 with Nick Mullins. Um, he was a touchdown machine towards the end of the season with Brock Purdy, at quarterback. Uh, I believe he had, what, four games of two touchdowns. It was crazy what he was able to do with Purdy, at quarterback. Um, I, I still think we'll see him be that red zone-type monster um, for this team this season. And again, I would not be surprised if we see Kittle rise back up to uh, where he was in 2018, being his record setting at the time yards uh, over the course of the season. Um, I think we'll see him kind of get back to, to close to Kelsey, but not, uh, you know, not with him, but really close behind him when it comes to being one of the best receiving tight ends in football. And so I, I, I am not concerned with 
There's stars on either end. Nobody should be. And this team is so star-studded that they should be able to carry this team for the entirety of the season and will be a reason they are being predicted and should be at least in the Final Four again uh, in January when that trip to the championship game is on the line. There are some things I'm a little, you know, they could creep up and they could be a problem, but they certainly can be a positive once we see how things shake out. Uh, the quarterback injuries, I, I don't think anybody is happy or complacent or going into the year at least a, not worried about the quarterback injuries. Um, last year being just an awful season for quarterbacks here in San Francisco when it comes to health. Trey Lance, Jimmy G, Brock Purdy, even Josh Johnson, you know the drill. Having your starting quarterback come into the year hurt or at least recovering from a major injury with Brock Purdy, there are certainly some concerns where if he gets hit once, uh, you could be leaning on Sam Darnold to lead this team. Uh, I, for one, believe in Sam Darnold a little bit more than most do, but that's because Kyle Shanahan and this roster are so loaded that it definitely helps to have someone like that at the helm uh, guiding this team. But uh, I do think that we have O-line issues. There are certainly... When you look at the offensive line, Trent Williams, great. Aaron Banks should improve in his second year as a starter. Jake Brendel was, what, a second-team All-Pro last year, or, excuse me, a Pro Bowl alternate last year, so definitely earned his flowers replacing Alex Mack. Uh, then Spencer Burford, this is his second year as a starter. They're relying on a lot of players to kind of take that next step so the team can take that next step uh, into the Super Bowl. Then you have Colton McKivitz, but the starting five don't concern me too much. Sure, can they boom or bust? Yes. Burford could struggle. Brendel could get hurt. McKivitz could just suck. And if that happens, you're looking at a team that has almost no depth behind them. I have been hitting the table and, and hammering this home for months and months and months. The backup tackles, Jalen Moore, Matt Pryor, the backup guards, Nick Zakel and John Feliciano, there isn't much there. And it's extremely concerning knowing that you are one injury away from having to rely on somebody like people I just listed. And if you are going to rely on them, like I, I have talked so much uh, negative, uh, negatively about Matt Pryor and go back and watch him last year in, 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 in Indianapolis. He was awful. He was one of the reasons why they were so bad last year. Of course, the team as a whole was bad, but offensive line wise, he was atrocious and you're going to potentially ask him to play in relief of Colton McKivitz. And that's if McKivitz isn't hurt and just plays bad <laughs> in general. So you're asking a lot from a you know, four or five guys behind them that really haven't been asked to do it or at least proven it for a long time. Uh, and so there are certainly some concerns on the offensive line. We have some comments in the chat. Randy Daytona, keep grinding, Sterling. Really appreciate it, Randy. Thank you for the kind words and thank you for subscribing. Uh, GrayFox198 says, I think this is the weakest team in the last three years. My prediction is we get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Wow. Um, I won't agree with the last statement being the bounce in the first round, but Peter King certainly agrees with you. He said we're going to get the first round by then lose to the Dallas Cowboys in our first game in the divisional round. 
uh, at home in Levi Stadium against the Cowboys. Um, I hate hearing that, but look, um, I'll get into my concerns here in a second because there certainly is something I think many fans are aren't really talking about or, you know, I think for myself, I pride myself on you looking at things from the outside perspective. What are other people saying about this team? And when you take a step back and you go, okay, like, I think we can go all the way this year, certainly. I think we actually are going to go all the way this year. And could that be my my homer takes, me being and rocking a Niner jersey? Certainly. Could that be me growing up here in the Bay and wanting that championship so bad, never seeing one in my entire life? Certainly. Um, could that be knowing how good this team is right now? You have to capitalize on the window. Knowing it might close in two or three years? Certainly. But I think taking a step back, removing myself from being a fan of this team, this team does have serious concerns. And one of them that could end up very well, but also could be, you know, looking back in a year or so, one of the worst picks in Niners history, that is Jake Moody. Um, he has sucked in preseason, he really has, and he's currently hurt. Uh, the Jake Moody we saw in college and in practice was not the Jake Moody we saw in, in preseason. And knowing he's hurt currently, knowing Matthew Wright's on the practice squad going into week one, that's a concern. Uh, I'm of the mindset of if you don't have a kicker, just go for two every single time. This team can fight through that and live through those failed two-point conversions or if not, you're getting eight points per touchdown, so why not go out there and do it? But that can be a major issue. If, if your kicker, a third-round pick kicker, mind you, is a failure um, and you're relying on undrafted free agents or maybe at some point Zane Gonzalez once he's off IR this year, you shouldn't have to carry two kickers. Like You're not going to cut Jake Moody, and so you could be at a loss knowing a third-round pick could have been a tackle reverting back to the O-line issues we already discussed in today's show. But yes, going back to Gray Fox's point, this team might be the weakest of the past three years. It might. Um, I think there are areas in which they've improved upon, one of them being, you know, Javon Hargrave being one of the best, if not the best, pass-rushing defensive tackles in football, having double-digit sacks last year, adding him to Nick Bosa and Armstead, and hopefully an improved Drake Jackson, it will certainly help this team. But there are areas like nickel cornerback, losing Jimmy Ward, um, that can create an issue. There, there are issues of, you know, the offensive line. Uh, there are certainly, there are areas you can point to and say, that could be the downfall of this team. And when you see this division in Seattle, a much improved defense, getting Jamal Adams back and drafting really well this past year, the Rams getting Matthew Stafford back, albeit Cooper Cup is currently hurt. Like, there is going to be improved play in the NFC West that isn't just, you know, running past the Rams or running past Seattle. Um, this is going to be... This is going to be one of the tougher years for San Francisco when it comes to surviving a season, knowing the weaknesses they currently do have. And, and Randy Daytona again asks... What are the chances Drake and Clellan Farrell combined to be one Nick Bosa? Um, Brock's chances were zero last year, so why not? Uh, sure. They're, I would lean towards, like, their job, Drake Jackson and Clellan Farrell, should be extremely easy this year if Nick Bosa's in the building, right? When you have three guys that have all-pro talent, uh, physical traits like Hargrave, Armstead, and Nick Bosa being the defensive player of the year, you're asking two players 
to take the next step or at least like they're not going to ask Farrell and Jackson to be guys one-on-one they're going to ask them to be that stump the the stunt guy uh and really like you it's not going to be this you know hey Drake Jackson play against the top right tackle in football Lane Johnson um this is going to be you know hey Drake Jackson we have three guys to make your life so much easier uh and are going to free up so much space for you where you know, some folks have said, could Drake Jackson be an eight-sack guy? I'd put him around six, um, knowing that they are going to rotate Bosa and Clellan Farrell. But if Drake Jackson has six sacks and Farrell has four sacks, you're a ten-sack player almost. And so I get what you're saying of, like, Brock Purdy wasn't supposed to be the guy. Now he is and played very well. So why couldn't Jackson and Farrell do that? Um, I wouldn't say they can be another Nick Bosa, but they can certainly replace the production from Samson Ebukam and Charles Amenehu if all things go well. Um, other things I'm concerned about is the slow start. I mean, my goodness, being three and five and then four and four. Uh, you don't have that luxury this year, knowing you have teams like Philadelphia, the Cowboys, the Browns, the Bengals, the Vikings, the Jaguars, the Ravens, and Seattle twice on your schedule. You have to start off hot, and they should. You have Pittsburgh, the Rams, the Giants, and the Cardinals. You should at least be two and two, if not three and one. And you can certainly be four and zero oh in those first four games. You do that, you are putting yourself in a position to succeed late in the year when guys are inevitably going to get hurt. You're going to have a bad game here or so. But that slow start is that going to continue? This season, definitely concerned about that going into week one against Pittsburgh. Um, I talked about how Brock Purdy and George Kittle, their connection is so great. And the chemistry was so good that I shouldn't be concerned about George Kittle, right? But he's currently hurt right now. He was hurt early in the season last year. The way he plays is so physical. The way he plays is, you know, he looks for contact. He tries to almost take off a defender's head every single time he has the ball. Um, and for George Kittle, knowing he's, what, 20, 29, 20, 27 years old, excuse me? Like, he's 29. Um, knowing he's 29, going into his age 30 season coming up, you have to ask yourself, if you played the way George Kittle has for, for five years almost, for six years, can you keep that up? It's hard. It's tough. We've seen him go down with shoulder injuries, and you know he has these nagging injuries throughout the entirety of, of seasons, usually, that he misses a game or so, three or four games a year, which you can live through that, but if you're going to lose George Kittle, let's say for an extended period of time, three or four games over a course of a stretch of a season, can you rely on Charlie Warner and and you know Ross Dwelly and Braden Willis? Uh, you drafted Cam Law too. He's out for the entirety of the season now, so there are certainly concerns behind George Kittle. Um, I would like to think this year, with Braden Willis being one of the best college blocking tight ends coming into the draft this year, that they can alleviate some of that you know physical play from George Kittle and save him um, from all the all the hits and bumps and bruises he will take throughout the season. So that's a concern of mine, but also. One of the biggest concerns, in my opinion, is the defense this year. Um, it's weird saying that, you know, being the number one defense in football last year, that I'm concerned about that unit. But San Francisco, at this very point, they almost sacrificed depth 
for star-studded talent. And on a team that's trying to win it all, that makes sense to me. You want to go out and you want to pay big money for Javon Hargrave and improve the starting defensive line and kind of get yourself a DeForest Buckner-type player back in the fold. I'm fine with that. But where we stand today, uh, knowing Nick Bosa isn't seemingly going to play on Sunday against Pittsburgh, hope he does sign in the next day or so. Um, and Rick Diaz, want to shout you out. A lot of comments in the chat so far. What's going on, man? Hope you're having a great day. Um, he doesn't seem too concerned over the team right now, but I am. Because when you look at the team as constructed, let's say Nick Bosa does play on Sunday and is there for week one and does play the entirety of the year. Your starting 11 are incredible. Minus one player. Isaiah Oliver, what's going on in the secondary? He's brought in to be this nickel cornerback, this big body guy that can help you in run defense, which I think is what they wanted, knowing this team is going to take a step back on run defense. In preseason, not great. Knowing they have, in a sense, put more pressure on Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw to pick up that slack from the front four, right? They essentially said, you know, we'll go buy a star pass rusher and Javon Hargrave. We want to get to the quarterback more, put more pressure on players like Kenny Pickett. Um, eventually, later in the year, maybe Kyler Murray, Geno Smith, Lamar Jackson, uh, the Joe Burrows and Pat Mahomes of the world. They want to attack them during the passing game. That's fine. But you have given up a lot of depth on run defense where you're putting more pressure and Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, if you're going to put more put more on someone's plate, they can live up to it. But your backup defensive line is now, you know, assumingly Kerry Hyder, uh, players like Kalia Davis, Javon Kinlaw, uh, if Bill Jr. actually plays this year, we shall see. But there really isn't much behind the starting four to make me say, yep. Where if someone goes down, it's like, ooh, like, say Javon Hargrave goes down, and it's Javon Kinlaw. You're right back to where you were last year, which, it was good enough. <laughs> it was good enough, but it certainly wasn't going to be good enough against Philadelphia and the offensive line they have. So this team has sacrificed some run defense for the ability to get to the quarterback more, add more pressure on them. And so uh, this year, you're also having questions in secondary where your pass rush is going to help the secondary, bar none, but is it going to hold up? Do we even know as of right now who is starting in the secondary? Of course, you have Hufunga, you have Gibson, you have Mooney Ward. Okay, is it Oliver? Is it Ambry Thomas? Lenore's starting. Where is he starting at? Are you going to put him in a position where he's moving back inside, where he hasn't been the best he's been in his career there, and he was successful outside, opposite Mooney Ward last year? Um, you're paying almost $3 million to Isaiah Oliver to be your starting nickel cornerback, and if he can't be that, it's a waste of money. It's a waste of funds, unfortunately, and you're having to rely on an Amory Thomas, a Samuel Womack, um, you cut Deshaun Jameson, he's now gone. You only have five cornerbacks on the roster. What's going to happen there? Someone goes down. Like you, Dante Johnson ain't coming back to fill in. Um, Taylor Hawkins is done for the year. Miles Hartsfield was also cut. This team is very thin and reliant on their top two cornerbacks to get them through the season. And I think we've seen the past couple years where if someone goes down, like Emmanuel Mosley, um, 
I don't know if they have a Giamadol Lenore behind them this year. Um, 2021, I don't know if they have, although it's the same player, is Ambry Thomas going to step up if someone goes down? Um, he certainly has looked a little better uh, and, and more focused this year, but if someone gets hurt, which this is every team, don't get me wrong, if any team has their starting player go down, the concerns start to tick up and go, okay, how is this next person going to step up and kind of step in that role? Um, this isn't a San Francisco 49ers exclusive issue, but the way this team is constructed is star-heavy, and when you're so star-heavy, your depth goes out the window. The offensive line is that way. Um, the secondary is that way. Uh, the defensive line is that way. And for a team that has prided themselves on being, you know, from the trenches out, I could argue this year their weakest positions depth-wise are the trenches. The starters are fine, but the trenches being so thin or so unproven, we've seen players like Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead miss plenty of time last year. And if some of those guys go down, and, you know, God forbid they do, it's going to affect the secondary, which currently isn't built or isn't proven enough for me to say, that's not a concern for me. And also, Steve Wilkes. How is Steve Wilkes going to implement his scheme, albeit very similar to Demeco Ryan's? The defense didn't look too great in the preseason, albeit it's preseason, mind you, but there were definitely some issues to point to and say, wow, um, like this team could be in for a transitional period for the first three, four, five, six games of the year, and then maybe hit their stride when their schedule gets a lot harder playing Seattle and Philadelphia than back to Seattle and playing Ravens and, and whatnot. So um, that's why it's so important to get off to a hot start, knowing that there could be some bumps and bruises along the way, where let's say Steve Volks comes in and he's trying new blitzes and the team is like, yo, like we haven't done this before, or this is new to us and we're taking more chances and risks. Um, this team can certainly, you know, play well under Steve Wilkes. My concern isn't that this defense is not going to be good, but we have saw this team last year take a lot of risks with Hufunga playing in the box on safety blitzes. They get beat up top. We saw guys start off hot, then kind of, you know, trickle away as the season progressed like Hufunga. And so, you know, there are a lot of a lot of questions on defense this year that weren't there the past two seasons. I mean, a couple years ago it was, you know, how is Demeco going to be as a defensive coordinator? And he took off, and he was better than Robert Sala here in San Francisco. Um, so and Steve Wilkes is not Demeco Ryan's, and I can argue Steve Wilkes, although different, isn't even Robert Sala with this Niners team. And so with Steve Wilkes being here, I think... I think the secondary is going to improve, but knowing the risks he's going to take, blitzing Oliver, blitzing Hufunga, blitzing Jair Brown, um, this team could be susceptible to deep balls, and if you have a team like the Rams, who I get we've owned over time, but if Cooper Cup's healthy, it's a different roster. The Steelers, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, they are going to want to push the football. The Jaguars with the Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, those names might not scare you, but come Sunday, when we have, you know, eight games of sample size, and if San Francisco has struggled, we are going to be talking about these issues, and, you know, looking at them and saying, see, these were on the table 
two months ago, and now they're showing themselves, uh, you know, on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays. But Randy Daytona says we have three, three to five seventh rounders on the roster. Yeah, like this team is, and and look, you have to give Lynch and Shanahan and Adam Peters and whoever else is in the room credit of they've hit on late round picks. That's a good thing, but. You would rather have first round, second, third round talented, you know, you know, high trait players, but right now they have a bunch of you know hidden late round gems with which aren't a problem. George Kittle is one of those players. Trey Greenlaw is one of those players. But when you're asking a lot of those players year after year after year to fill holes, you are going to miss, which is going to create an area of concern on the roster. Um, Gray Fox 198 says, My reasoning behind us being weaker in the past three years is that we don't have the depth as we had before. A major injury to a starter will really hurt us. My exact thoughts. If one of these stars go down, it's not going to end our season, but if it's Nick Bosa or Javon Hargrave for six to eight weeks and they're missing games like against the Bengals, the Browns, the Vikings, the Jaguars, the Cowboys, this team could find themselves you know, being 4-0 then being one and four. And you go, okay, now we're five and five or whatever, five and five and four. And it's like, what just happened to us? Now we're 500 again going into week 10. Uh, and that's not where you want to be this season. But back to my main question What would constitute a success this year? What would, for you, what would make this season, quote unquote, successful? Would it be. Being back in the NFC Championship game, would it be Nick Bosa getting a Defensive Player of the Year for the second straight season while playing on a top five defense? Would it be just getting to the Super Bowl? What would make this season successful? Is it Christian McCaffrey winning the MVP or Debo Samuel being his 2021 self? You know, there, there's many answers that could, in a small window, make the season successful and. Well, I want all of those things I just said to happen. I do want Christian McCaffrey winning the MVP or Debo being his all-pro self again. Um, there is one question I want and I think everybody wants answered. It is, is Brock Purdy the guy? I finally want to know, is Brock Purdy this team's franchise quarterback? Is he a flash in the pan? Like, like, Kevin Cobb, or is he going to be, you know, this Mr. Irrelevant to cement himself as the first minor franchise quarterback since Steve Young? If we go into this year thinking that Brock Purdy is the guy, having an idea of what he can be after watching, you know, seven games last year and seeing the offense take off alongside Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Brock Purdy, if Brock Purdy can be the exact same player he was last year. I think he will cement himself as a franchise quarterback. We've heard, you know, Kyle Shanahan and many other players say he's the real deal. We've heard, you know, his college coach praise him and say he has changed our, our system, our organization. But for this team, knowing you've moved off of Jimmy Garoppolo for right reasons... And you just traded away Trey Lance, who very young, very unproven, but you know I think many fans, including myself, and I think many members of the media, 
or criticizing the move, but that was a win-now move. He was not going to benefit you this year, or likely next year, and you are going to bank on Brock Purdy being the same or better. Well, if even if none of the things I listed happen, let's say they lose in the first round of the playoffs, like Gray Fox thinks, if Brock Purdy can show to be the guy, can prove to be a franchise quarterback, I would say that's a successful season for San Francisco. Yes, you'd lose a year of the window. Yes, you wouldn't get that sixth Lombardi trophy. And while we want that so, so bad, like I would trade Brock Purdy, you know, showing to be the guy for that sixth Lombardi easily. But if that's not going to happen and we're going to have to kind of sit back and, you know, say, okay, you know, we didn't win the big one, but this season was successful because dot, dot, dot. It's Brock Purdy showing to be a franchise quarterback. It's Brock Purdy showing that, look, my draft, you know, slot, my draft selection means nothing. And Shanahan is right to to rely on me, to to choose me, to lead us into the future, to extend this window. I think right now, looking at this team's, you know, championship window, it's probably one to two years, right? You know, Nick Bosa's contract is going to be up next year. He ain't playing currently, as things certainly stand. Um, Eric Armstead's going to be up. Brandon Ayuk's going to be up. Guys are getting older. You have to win now, right? But if Brock Purdy can show to be that guy on a seventh-round pick uh, salary, it does open that window wider and wider and wider, hence the Mahomes and the Burroughs and the Trevor Lawrences. And those are top-end picks. Um, but... If he can show to be that guy, I think while the pressure doesn't alleviate itself, it doesn't remove itself from the conversation, the pressure then becomes, you know, we have the franchise quarterback now. Can you build the team around him? Well, it's already here, but that window gets wider and wider and wider. Your chances to win extend from one to two years to three to five years to five to seven years. Um, and you put yourself in a conversation with players and teams like Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts or the Bengals and Joe Burrow and the Mahomes as well. Mahomes is in a league of his own. You do put yourself in a position where you are going to be every single year a favorite to win the championship knowing you have that franchise quarterback. Look at the the, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, the Packers and Brett Favre, um, Again, the Chiefs and Mahomes, Peyton Manning and the Colts, Tom Brady and Patriots. I'm not comparing Purdy to any of those people, but they were perennial contender, uh, annual contenders every single year because they had the guy. And if you're not going to win a championship this year, if you can at least figure out who Brock Purdy actually is, I would call this season a success. Um, Rick Diaz says, I'm going to let the season fall as they may. Um, the cards are going to fall, and we'll see what happens come this year. Take it one day at a time. I agree with that. Like, th this is not me sitting back saying the season is cemented, you know, everything I'm saying is truth, or it's going to happen this way. It's, this could be an issue. This could creep up. This could um, show itself to be a Joker card, and you're like, oh, God, like, what the heck, man? Like... We were supposed to be good and locked up here. Now it's an issue. But um, with all of that being said, let's dive into my predictions for this season. We'll dive into game by game as to what I think is going to happen starting on Sunday against Pittsburgh. Going all the way down to week 18, game 17. 
against the Los Angeles Rams. What do I think is going to happen every single game? Then we'll dive into my playoff predictions for this 2023-2024 NFL season. Week 1, Pittsburgh Steelers. Coming into the year, San Francisco has the fourth easiest schedule per sharp football. So that's a good thing, knowing one of the better teams has a weaker schedule. <laughs> um, but week one against Pittsburgh, I believe San Francisco is going to lose this game. Um, they can easily win it. They could easily come into Pittsburgh and annihilate a young team. But um, I do think Pittsburgh... A young, explosive team, a mobile-ish quarterback in Kenny Pickett. This team's run defense is going to be tested instantly, and they're going to be tested with Najee Harris, and I believe Jalen Warren is the the running back behind Najee Harris this year. This team is going to run to run the football, and also, Kenny Pickett's looked much improved. You know, Kenny two-glove, small hands Pickett, five drives, Five touchdowns in the preseason. George Pickens looks amazing. Deontay Johnson looks great. Um, This team looks to be ready to take that next step with Mike Tomlin being one of the best head coaches in football for the past, what, 17 seasons. I think we lose week one, but we bounce back against the Rams in week two. Ticket to Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford saying, if Cooper Cup plays, it doesn't matter. We're getting this W and starting the season off one and one. Then I think we rattle off two more wins against the Giants, another young team, but it's the home opener um, against uh, the Giants. Levi Stadium wearing, I believe, the throwbacks. We're wearing the throwbacks that day. I certainly hope the Giants wear their throwbacks and kind of give us that 90s and 80s look at home on Thursday night football, the home opener at Levi Stadium. I think we get the win there. Cardinals, Josh Dobbs is playing quarterback. They want Caleb Williams. That's an easy dub. I think San Francisco starts out 3-1 to begin the year. We're sitting back saying, we're looking pretty good. But going into games against the Cowboys and the Browns, I think things get a little tougher here. Now, you can always point to the Niners and Cowboys being one of these, you know, historic rivalries where San Francisco is going to win no matter what, because that's what we think here. But I do think that, you know, I'd rather lose this game than a playoff game against Dallas. So I do think San Francisco will lose this game against the Cowboys in Week 5. Uh, this may change as the season progresses, but keep in mind it's preseason currently. We're previewing the year, so don't hate on me right now. Week 5, a loss against the Cowboys. And I think that stretch continues in Week 6 at Cleveland. Um, I think we'll lose that game as well. Mobile quarterbacks give this team issues, or at least they have in the past. And I do think that Deshaun Watson, for what you think of him as a person, I think he's disgusting and gross. But uh, mobile quarterback, he's not going to play or shouldn't play as bad as he did last year. I think San Francisco loses this game. So they start the year off 3-1, and one, then fall back to 3-3. Three and three. But they got Week 7, primetime Kirko Cousins. We're getting the dub. Uh, could be our future quarterback here in San Francisco if, if Brock Purdy falls apart. But I do think under the bright lights in Minnesota, San Francisco gets the win. Week 7 goes to 4-3. and three, Then back home against the Bengals, playing Joe Burrow. Um, not much history here between the teams of the current, but uh, 
I think San Francisco loses this game. And unfortunately, we talk about slow starts. Um, I think they start the year 4-4 four and four going into the bye week, which I think is where they pick things up afterwards. They beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville, beat the Buccaneers back at home, go to Seattle Thursday night football, Thanksgiving Day, and rattle off three consecutive victories following the bye week. Then they go to Philadelphia on the East Coast. Like, don't forget this. San Francisco plays four East Coast games this year. Week one against Pittsburgh, off the bye week, week 10 at Jacksonville. So two early games in, in the schedule that you can point to and say, well, traveling shouldn't be an issue, knowing week one and a bye week. But then they go from the West Coast in Seattle all the way to Philadelphia and back-to-back weeks. So that can be a cause for concern. So they win against Seattle week 12, three straight wins, get their record to 7-4. and four. Then they play Philadelphia at Philadelphia. I think lose this game, mobile quarterbacks. People are going to point to this game being a rematch of a game that should have been happening uh, last year. You know, we'll finally see what the outcome would have been. But I do think that week 13, um, I think Philadelphia is going to take a step back a little bit this year, um, but still be one of the best teams in football. Um, I think we're going to lose against them at Philadelphia again. But bounce back on the West Coast at Levi Stadium, beat Seattle, and be 8-5 and five heading into week, what, 15? Um, not bad. I think I like that as things stand. Um, then beat the Cardinals, whether they have Kyler Murray or not at this point. In Arizona, they suck. We'll be 9-5 and five going into week 16, Christmas Day against the Ravens. I think we'll be 9-6 and six leaving that day. But... Finish the year, two consecutive wins, getting hot come playoff time, playing the uh, the Commanders and the Rams, and ending our season overall 11-6. and six. Um, People can say 11-6 and six isn't good enough to be the one or two seed, or even the three seed. Um, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be record-wise as good this year. I don't think Philadelphia is going to be what they have, like 15 wins last year, 14 wins last year. I think they're going to take a step back. I think... The division or the conference as a whole, while well, quarterback-wise, isn't that great. You know, you have your Jared Goffs and your Kirk Cousins and your Geno Smiths and your Dak Prescotts, and then you have Jalen Hurts, and then you have Brock Purdy, where the the quarterback position isn't deep. I do think that teams, defenses, like as a whole, have gotten better in the conference, and it's going to cause issues for certain quarterbacks like Geno Smith who I think is not going to repeat what he did last year. And so I have us fi- I have us finishing 11 and 6 on the year. I have us winning the NFC West. Um I don't think that's, you know, oh my goodness, like that's kind of a given at this point, my, you know, barring an injury. Um my division winners this year are the Niners, the Eagles, the Saints and the Lions out of the NFC. My AFC divisional winners are the Chiefs, Jaguars, Dolphins, and Bengals. Wild card for the NFC is the Dallas Cowboys, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Seattle Seahawks. Wild card for the AFC, Ravens, the Bills, and the Aaron Rodgers-led New York Jets. I don't care how the, the things stack up. My final four teams 
are going to be the Miami Dolphins against the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship game this year. And I have Niners-Eagles-NFC Championship game. Um, I think this is the game we're going to point to and say, this is the rematch. We, we deserve to see this game come playoff time. Um, I don't think Philadelphia is going to be as stout and aggressive up front this year. They lost their defensive coordinator. Uh, they got so much help last year during the season. And, and Howie Roseman is a great GM. Uh, and they were able to pick up Linville Joseph and Dama Kung Su. That's not going to be a luxury for them this year. And it certainly helped them come playoff time, uh, especially against us and against teams like the Giants and even the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So we're going to finish 11-6 and six on the season. We're going to play Philadelphia with the trip to the Super Bowl on the line. And maybe it's me being a homer. Maybe it's me just being a Niner fan and, and wanting this to happen. I think it's going to be the San Francisco 49ers against the Miami Dolphins this year. A rematch of a previous Super Bowl, I believe, which was in California, in Santa Clara, I believe. Or maybe in Southern California, excuse me. Niners-Dolphins, that is your Super Bowl matchup this year. And I do think San Francisco finally gets over the hump it can be Sam Darnold, it can be Brock Purdy, it can be Brocky P, Sammy D, it can be Brandon Allen for all I care. I think San Francisco is going to get back. Uh, I think, like, this is their going all in, putting all the chips on the table, saying we are going to win in the next year or two. I think this year makes the most sense of the next two years. You're going to have Brandon Ayuk and Debo and McCaffrey and Kittle Maybe all together for the last time, knowing you could leave in the offseason, you're going to have Hargrave and Armstead and, and, and Nick Bosa hopefully on the field for majority of the season. And you're also going to have players behind them hopefully take their next step in Jair Brown and, and Lenore and maybe even a player like, you know, a Jalen Graham or, or you know, a, a D. Winters steps up in the absence of maybe a Fred Warner or Greenlaw if they happen to go down. There is so much that can transpire over 18 weeks of football. Um, we can look back on this in, in two, three, four months and say, what was what, what was I thinking? What was that guy thinking? But look, right now, the San Francisco 49ers are the second best team in the NFC next to the Eagles. I think this year should be the better team against the Eagles. I think they were the better team last year over Philadelphia. We didn't get to see it. I think we get to see it again this year and actually kind of get a, a strong uh, non-Brock Purdy being injured matchup and see what actually should have happened last year. Uh, and I do think San Francisco wins the Super Bowl. There are real concerns. We can take a step back or take a step back on defense. I think we will. I think the, the, the Eagles will as well. I think as a whole... The NFC record-wise is going to take a step back. Um, the Saints are better. The Panthers should be better. The Falcons have a good defense there. They have a fairly good roster next to you know Desmond Ritter being a big question mark. Then you have teams like the Lions who should take a step up, or a team like the Packers who kind of are a boomer bust. You know what's Jordan Love gonna be this year? And even a team like the Bears that. For all of the crap I give Justin Fields, he could 
be a good quarterback passing the football this year. No one knows. Um, and teams like the Rams shouldn't win four games or six games. Like, they should win seven games this year with Matthew Stafford and, and a young, young team around them and Sean McVay leading uh, the way. So the NFC as a whole is going to be better from the bottom to the mid-tier teams, but from the top, I can see things kind of trickling down and kind of falling down to, instead of 14 wins, 12 wins. Instead of, you know, 13 wins, 11 wins. I think, you know, the bottom-tier teams should win two to three more games and the top-tier teams should lose, you know, two to three more games. Um, I think the AFC is going to be a slugfest. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Mahomes wins the MVP again or someone like Tua with Hill and Waddle and that offense and McDaniel and Mostert and Wilson. They should have got Dalvin Cook. They didn't do it. I don't know why. But um, I think it's Dolphins-Niners Super Bowl matchup this year. And I think San Francisco comes away with the victory. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a very tough season. I'm excited. Football was in literally two days, folks. Two days. We are two days away. Lions and Chiefs. I hope that game is like that Rams and Chiefs game from, what, 2019, 2018? That was just a freaking slugfest back and forth. I feel like it was like 55 points apiece. It was crazy. I hope we see that come Thursday against the Lions and the Chiefs. But Sunday, 10 a.m., Niners, Pittsburgh, Steelers. I'm going to be glued to the couch of the 95-7 The Game Studios, hoping it's a victory for the San Francisco 49ers. We will preview that game later this week, hopefully on Thursday, maybe on Friday after the injury report comes out. And if we see if Nick Bose is going to be on the field for the Niners, it might change how I feel about that game. But stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. You can follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. You can use our promo code 49ers access 49 E-R-S-A-C-C-E-S-S at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. If you want to go to any game this year, any concert, baseball, NBA, football, use that promo code and save yourself some money. You can also buy your Niners gear. I bought this jersey at Fanatics.com. You can do the same by using our link up above or down below in the description. Help the show and support the show while buying your favorite team's uh, gear as well. Again, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. My name is Sterling Bennett. And until next time, we'll have football on our eyes on our TVs with the Niners and Pittsburgh Steelers on the horizon. My name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful.